Hey everybody, my name is Aretha Scruggs and you are tuning in to Mombersations. Come on and join the conversation where we hear real life stories of incredible moms making waves in our world, from entertainers to entrepreneurs and more. Come on, join the Mombersation and come learn how to live and thrive in motherhood and purpose. In this episode, We'll be talking with mom and international singer-songwriter, spoken word artist, and ultimate creative genetics. We will discuss her authentic journey to finding her voice at open mics, her own mother's significant influence in her career, and her start in poetry that would bond her to her poetry collective that would later allow her to travel all over the world on mission and in purpose. This is genetics' path to living the life she's always wanted to live loving her family, and being sold out to Christ and her purpose. Stay tuned afterwards to hear how you can continue the conversation about thriving in motherhood and purpose. So today, <laughs> I love your face. Today, I am honored to talk with my just love bug, one of my great friends, <laughs> Jeanette Endor, as she is known in the world, literally in the world, friends, because I'll have to tell you, she came to my class to do a presentation and my college students all knew who she was and were so amazed. Like, oh my God, she's here. Uh, but she is here again. This is my good friend, Jeanette or Genetics, as she is known in the real world. Um, so I will tell you, as you read a little bit about her, um, as I put on my page, she is a poet. She is a singer songwriter. She plays the guitar. She is a touring, uh, creative, the ultimate creative at, that you could ever know. Um, and she's a mom of now a three-year-old, her daughter, Amaris, yes. um, turned three yesterday. Mm -hmm. Wow. And she is married to her husband, Matt, for how long? This will be year six. Six years. Yeah. I got the honor of seeing at their wedding uh, six yeah. years ago. That was six years ago. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to give, uh, uh, please give a hello and a hallelujah to <laughs> genetics. I'm going to um, start off by just asking, come on and tell the people about who are you? Who are you? How did you get into poetry? How did you get into being the ultimate creative? Oh my goodness. Um, I think, I mean, I think you've said a lot of who I am, so I don't need to go through any of that. But um, uh, I got into like poetry just by like my mom, like I found, I ended up finding some journals randomly and I was just like, what is this? Like, this is cool. Um, and so I just kind of got sparked by that and started trying to do my own. And then I started doing stuff in church and they were telling me how amazing it was and how good it was. Um, and uh, then I started a friend of mine. I don't know if you remember Renaissance, but like the guy that we were in the group with before, he took us to the Mert Park for the first time. And I was like, okay, cool. Gonna do some poetry here and got booed thoroughly. Uh, and it was, it was, it was a, it was, it was good for me um, because I had just been told by church people that I was just good, good, good. And they were like, no. Nah. And like, you, like back in the day, Lamert Park, like it was like, it wasn't like today, like people, people can't take it. Like, it'd be like, please pass them a hike, like get off. Like you're, you're taking up somebody else's time that could be dope. And 
So it was a tough time. And I just kept going back until like at one point, finally, there was like, yo, I don't even know if I believe what you believe, but I'm convinced by what you're saying, because now you're at a place where we can actually respect the art form, where you could stand in this arena, which was my goal. I didn't want to be whack. Um, so then I went back to church to start trying to just be honest about my poetry and talk about real things and real things that happened to me. And the church was like, no, we can't talk about that. Like, no. <laughs> like, So it wasn't a space where I was able to do my poetry anymore because I was talking about things that were that just weren't tapped on, like whether that be abused or whether that be um, what I felt at the moment, whatever it was, it just wasn't really accepted. Um, so that just kind of put me back into like just doing open mics and um, and I, I really feel like it's different for people at this point because now you can just do something and like get on YouTube and like it can, you know, it can go viral or it can. Yeah. yeah. But when people are like, oh, why are you humble or why are you this? Is like, I, I know what it's like to perform for three people, like you're performing for a thousand. You know, right. I know what it's like to get paid in a chicken dinner. Like, I know what it's like for my car to break down in front of them saying the building I'm performing of and like the valet is like, your car won't move. What do you want to do? Whoa. You know, I I know what it's like to walk like three hours to get on an open mic list that you may not even be performing at, like just because you're so hungry and passionate about the art or you just want to be in that environment so bad. So it's not even about like, if I get to get on stage and I say, like, I want to be in that element. Wow. Um, and even for situations like um, First Fridays that we used to go to all the time, it was just yeah. like something about just the closeness and the, the denseness in the room of like, you can't recreate that like yeah I get on stages yeah I've been in front of 30,000 people before but it doesn't compare to like that closeness that you feel you know and, and those settings and you're appreciative for those settings and, and the conversations that you have from those and the friends that you get to gain from those settings so yeah that's just that's how I, how I fell in love with poetry by getting booed and watching artists who were true artists that weren't even like Christian it was just I remember I to this day I remember this lady said she's like this is a poem for D'Angelo Wow. Right. She said, I just want to run barefoot through your corn rolls. I said, whoa. <laughs> you can do that with words? I was like, oh, okay. I, okay. I don't do that. <laughs> I love it. Well, how old were you when you first even like wrote your first poem? I think I wrote my first poem when I was probably like, I started doing poetry probably when I was like 12, 13. Okay. Yeah. And then I started kind of performing when I was like 15. Wow. Yeah. Oh, if you haven't seen this my this girl, my friend, on a stage, this is how we met. Yeah. Did we meet at first Friday? Did we meet at Maranatha? We met I, at Maranatha. Yes, but we kept seeing each other at first Friday. Yeah. Yeah. Man, yeah. if you ain't heard this one spit something, go on and look on YouTube and you will be amazed with all the amazing stuff uh that she does. Um, and as she said, tackles so many different subjects that are really taboo <laughs> that people just will not um, discuss from a pulpit or from whatever venue. And she goes in feet first and comes out with. Why do I do that? <laughs> goes in head first, feet first, and is not ashamed or afraid to tell it. Um, how did you guys even? So what? What is amazing? I think about you. And even maybe you can talk about um, the group that you are a part of, how you are like being a poet and actually making a living doing that. Yeah. Like, I think people are still like, how in the world do they do this? And yeah. they're not only making a living, but like sell out amazing venues all over the world. Can you talk a little bit more about the group that you're a part of? How did you guys even get started and how did you build these tours? 
Yeah, it's funny. I don't even, you know, we all met on the platform of the Passion for Christ movement, P4CM. We, we met there. Um, people kind of like automatically thought we were all in a group then, but we were just individual artists who happened to come together on a night where most of us met each other that night. Um, wow. And so uh, even like with Ezekiel and certain people, like we just established for some reason, we just became really, really good friends. I remember Jackie and Preston and, and all of them had come from Chicago for the second one. And it was this space, like for me, when I went up, I was still saying things that even it's like, I'm just like, it was one of those things, again, like similar to First Fridays, where it's just like, this is a real thing that's actually happening. Um, and the second time was when Jackie kind of started talking about coming out of lifestyle with homosexuality and all that type of stuff. And then it just was so many different topics that were being addressed. Yeah. And we established a friendship. I remember like, you know, just consistently like me and Ezekiel, for some reason, whenever we would have these rehearsals or these like these camps, these poetry camps that they would do, like him and I would just always like the, any exercise, we just something about us just click, which is how we end up doing a poem together. Yeah. And um, yeah, and then we kept getting booked together all the time. So even before that, like to address the aspect of getting booked, it's like I think the huge the huge part of the difference was was really YouTube because we've been doing this long before there was a YouTube. I I remember doing this before, in, dare I say, an in internet and and right. so, <laughs> there was such a time. Yeah, so there was, that's one of the things that keep you low. You yeah, you, you don't. You don't find out about events by way of it's like no, you gotta hustle to even put on events, and you got it has to be it has to be dope because people yeah. are talking about it. Mm -hmm. So YouTube really changed that, and I think like once the whole video of I will wait for you kind of happened, I wasn't I was finishing up my degree, and I was just like I started getting booked. And I was like, Mom, like I got to a point to where I, I felt like I couldn't do both. It's like, Mom, what should I do? Should I finish school or should I should I do this? And she was like, You know, sweetheart, to be honest with you, school will always be there no matter what age you are. But this is what you've always wanted to do. You've always been passionate about this. You've always desired to perform. You've always desired to travel and, and do your art. So I think you should do that. And I think that was really sound advice speaking from my mom's like perspective while we're talking about conversations because that was the first person I called for the guidance. And I didn't expect her to give that answer. I thought her, she was going to say something really different. But I think it's insignificant what a, a good mom does is really notices the, the special things in you and cultivate yeah. that as opposed to what yeah. they specifically want for you or what they see for Ooh. you. So I was really, really appreciative of that because I, if she would have said something otherwise, I would have done something else, you know? And it's scary because I have friends who, who, who have, you know, degrees on degrees and like, and still don't necessarily quote unquote make what I make, mm. but also have years and years of college loans and debt, which yeah. I don't have. Um, and so it's like, it does, it really is about God's hand. I think yeah. what was happening with, with the tour was Ezekiel was like, I have an idea. I don't know if it's going to work, but let's just see if us few, we thought about who, okay, we got to be getting on the road with people we really care about and know that, we, you know, we're going to last through this. Um, and it was just the four of us at first. And we just hopped in, in a van and was just like, let's just see what happens. Wow. We on our own merch. We were hustling. We were doing, we were, we were getting shirts pressed on the road. We, it, it just, it was, it was straight up. We were stacking shit. It was crazy, but we were just like, let's just do it, you know? Wow. The second year we went a, another van. It was busted up. Like, we were, it was just, it just, every year it was like a little bit better. And then, you know, it, it just kind of got to the point to where it's like, it, at the same time, we were still selling out venues. So it was a really cool situation. And then thinking of who to add on and who to kind of bring in. And like, who, even with Chris, like he came on, like serving. It was like, well, let me help. I'll open, but I'm also going to, run this digital media. I'm also going to make sure this looks better. I'm also going to reshoot this. So this goes with this. And that's kind of what brought him in tight. Cause he was like, he was about the whole, it wasn't just about him coming on. He came in serving 
on top of what you're already doing. And so it was like, nobody had this role where it's just like, I only do this. And then, you know, Joe came along. And by the time Joe came along, I mean, we had got sponsors, so we already had a tour bus at that time. So I always joke with him, like, you know, yeah, bro. <laughs> you ain't know how to rough it. You don't know about when we had to pee in the back in a cup, like, you know what I'm saying? Because there was nowhere to go to the bathroom, you know? So, but those are some amazing times and amazing stories. I'm grateful for them all. And now it's just like, you know, we get to, be on the road and and hit multiple cities and and then do a U.S. tour and then do a national you know international tour and it blows my mind. But again, I think the answer is social media and YouTube because it gives people access that would have never had access to you. So, wow, oh, amazing. Okay, well, that is the the career part. Now let's move to talking about motherhood. Mm-hmm. I mean. And- you can, I mean, I know you even stepping into the, the motherhood train, it was a diff, it was difficult at first. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how much of that story you want to share of Amaris's birth. Um, but how did you, how, how was coming, how did you come into motherhood? And especially was it in the midst of tour or how? Yeah. How- um, me and my husband got together. I'm kidding. Um, so <laughs> it was one night. <laughs> I don't know what happened. To be honest with you, so actually, prior to that, like I was pregnant prior to Amaris, um, and um, I was excited. We were very excited. I was I, I was on the road, pregnant. Uh, he was not on the road with me, um, and I actually ended up having a miscarriage in Kansas City right before the show. Um, and how far along were you? I was approximately, uh, I think, about. Uh, about 15 weeks. Wow. Um, and like at the time I was like, okay, maybe this is not happening, but maybe, maybe it is. And sure enough, it was happening. And then it kind of like, like the, my friends started knowing that like something is wrong. Something is very wrong. Wow. Um, and at that point I was really grateful that I was on tour with people that I loved and cared about. Wow. Cause when I walked out, like they were just all separate in separate corners of the room, praying for me, praying and crying. And that was so like encouraging because it's it was just such a low moment. Like, what do I, I? I'm not even in a space where I'm getting ready to go home. This isn't the last day of going home of this leg of the tour. Wow. I'm overwhelmed. I think I kind of just pushed through it. I I still went on stage. I shared what happened. I shared that. Wow. If I was, if there was ever a time that I wanted you to know that the gospel is true, I would not even get on this stage and talk about the gospel being true in this type of moment if it wasn't. I think after that was even harder because it's like now you have the time to process. You're not in the in the thickness of it, and nobody really knows what to say because there's not really anything no. to say to make you feel better in that type of situation. And and there's so much guilt. There's so much like you know, what did I do wrong? Have I done? Should I have not been on tour? Was I moving around too much? Was I this? Am I too old? Am I wow. like? Am I going to be able to have children going forward in the future? What does this mean? And then for my husband, it's like he just didn't know how to deal with it. It was just, just like okay, well, yeah, so this happened, but like. You know, he had to go get counsel and like our pastor telling like you have to understand that this is an actual death like uh, you gotta understand that and you have to treat it as such but again it's like when you're not that's why graciousness is so key because when you're not in an environment where you've ever experienced that where you've ever seen that you can't stay mad that somebody don't know how to handle the situation yeah. even knowing that if they handled it at their best it still wouldn't be enough for you no. you know um and so that that part like as far as like being a mom i think was just a major disappointment i think like when you sometimes when you feel like you're serving God, like you won't say it, but you feel like you're deserving of certain things. Like it's like, okay, I waited till we made have sex. I waited this. Check, 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 check. And then like you have a situation like this time, it's like, wait a minute, were there's people 
who don't even want their kids that are, are able to, to have children. There's people who, why did you allow like this to happen to me? Like, yeah. are you kidding me? Like, are you serious? And there's such an arrogance to that because why not you? And why somebody else? But I think at the same time, like that's a real reality of where, where you are. And I think yeah. my grandmother always taught me, she always say like, there's no reason to not be honest with God because he already knows where you're at. So really and being honest with God is really being honest with yourself. She said, always say, you can lie to me. Don't lie to yourself. Wow. Like, the honesty of like to say, I am angry. I am frustrated. I am upset. I am. I don't understand. Like you need the freedom to be able to do that. And sometimes religion or people don't know what to say. And they just like, they just, they, 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 they gravitate to religion too quick. Or they say, you know, and you know, there are people who are just doing things that like, you know, they just were hurtful and they didn't know they were hurting me. Oh, when I had two weeks after a, a miscarriage and you're like, oh, when y'all finally gonna have some kids? It's just like, oh my God. Oh, wow. You know, stuff like that is like, man, you don't know that you're being insensitive. You don't know yeah. all the things. That are, it's like, you gotta be, let's all try to be mindful of what's going on. Like, even if you don't know what's going on. So yeah. I think that part was really hard. Um, I think with my, with Amaris, when I got pregnant, first of all, I don't even know how that happened because there was a window where I was not supposed to get pregnant at all because they're like just from a health perspective your body needs to heal blah blah blah, blah this and the other so double precautions were being taken I, that's all i'm gonna say and oh. i'm still here so wow uh, um i've heard that story a few times in our own family <laughs> listen i don't listen so i think the first thing that happened with amaris was i just so much fear i just had so much fear because i was just so worried that this was going to happen again I was worried that um, I was just I was just overwhelmed that that my body would fail and then I would feel like I, even though my husband doesn't feel like I'm a failure to him I feel like I'm failing him because I know this is also something that he desires as well I know that he wants children as well and I'm like this is I'm older you know I'm not I'm not I'm not 25 having kids it's, having kids is different at 25 than you're having kids at 39 and 38 yeah. and 40 so yeah. it's like this isn't the same thing um, and so I had a lot of fear throughout the whole pregnancy and then. You know, it was just like, my fear was like, it just, it went up a couple of notches because, you know, I had a 10 day hospital stay and they were like, you're not going to live through this. Your daughter's not going to live through this. Um, and when I went in, I didn't even know anything was wrong. Like they just, they were like, my doctor was like, I think you should just go in and just check and see what's going on. So just go in and check into the hospital. The heart rate's not really doing what it needs to do. I said, okay, cool. I walked in and they took my blood pressure. They were like, just like, they start calling all these codes and they were like, you know, like you don't feel like you're having contractions right now. She's like, no, she's like, you don't feel how tight your stomach is. It's like, man, like I just, my stomach wow. is, too, you know, I don't, I don't feel it. Like, she's like, you don't feel your head pounding. I was like, my head's not pounding. It's just like you, she's like, if you stand up, you could possibly have an aneurysm or a stroke. Do not get up. She's like, you, the numbers are through the roof. Like this doesn't even make any sense. They were giving me stuff. Nothing was happening. Giving me stuff. Going to, I could hear her heart rate slowing down, speeding up, stopping, slowing down, speeding up. And they were just like, but they would tell me like, you're not, you're probably not going to live through this. And then they say, but try to remain calm. I'm just like okay. Yeah, at this at this point, I was 24 weeks, wow. and um and like I was getting upset because Matt wasn't getting upset. And I'm like, are you hearing what they're saying? Do you care about me? Do you care about what's happening? He was like, he was like, no. It's a medical practice. They practicing like they ain't got none of my God. Like so, I'm not going to succumb to like everything around me like one of us got to remain calm I was like that's true because if you got scared then I'll be scared that you scared because you think that's right. so yeah it's a, it's a low slow situation you popped into that accent and then came back out okay <laughs> they, they prepped me three times uh, my mom they prepped me three times to give birth and I literally was just praying 
And I think that's where my song Mahogany Pain came from when I don't think it is because I remember being in hospital, every breath I was like, God, please, I need you. Like, and God spoke to my heart and he was like, the crazy thing is the way that you need me right now is the way that you need me all the time. You just, you are, I'm, I'm showing you your need for dependence. So the way that you don't know how I'm protecting you all the time, the same way that you don't know how many car accidents I've kept you from, the same way you get ran over by this, the same way you need me all the time. You don't have trials. You don't understand your great need for me. So I have to lovingly give you these trials so that you will call on me so that you understand how much I love you and understand the intimacy that we specifically need. I have to make you dependent. I have to break your leg so you know I cannot move, breathe, walk, anything without him. You don't remember that. So like, that's why I say in the song, don't take this pain away. If this is like, if this is what I got to do to understand that I have to be reliant on you, dependent on you, if that's how I'm getting there, let me get there that way, then not get there at all. Like, that's that's like the intenseness of it because I really didn't. And I prayed. I was like, God, can you just let me get to 30 weeks? Just let me get to 30 yeah. weeks. And he got me to 29 weeks and six days. Ooh. She came out one pound, 14 ounces, and just fighting, not even breathing, just fighting, punching the air, fighting for her life. And we were, we were in the NICU for 54 days. There were times where her heart rate would just drop in my arms. And it's just like, it, that prayer, the way I would pray like that reminded me of my grandmother because it's like she would pray for everything. And sometimes we would laugh because it's like, you're getting on, it's like, you're getting on my nerves. Like, there'd be times where I'm just talking to her about something random. Granny, I'm just not feeling good. She's like, oh, what's wrong with you? It's like, yeah, my stomach is hurting. Going, Father, in the name of Jesus. It's like, you can say, hey, let's pray. Like, that doesn't happen. It's just, you know. Go right in. You just go right in. Or those mornings, I never woke never in my life woke up one morning till I didn't see her on her knees praying before I got those nights yes. where I felt somebody coming in the room and anointing your head with oil. Yes. In the middle of the night. What is going, the shut-ins, the all-night prayers, like, what is, where is that? You know? So it's like, it reminded me of my great need uh, to, to be in consistent prayer. But if I didn't have that, it's like, it's so easy to just start going about your day, carrying on about your day. By the time you get to, it's the end of your day and you don't even see how much you have needed him. And so I think like, for me, that's what God showed me so much in becoming a mother is that like, even for this, even in this miracle, even in this, like, even in the growth of faith, because it was like so many I would wash my hands so fast just to try to rush around to see like, okay, what's her vitals doing? What's wow. happening? Like, did she gain a half an ounce? Did she gain a pound? Like every, it was, it's almost like the manna. It's like, you want, you think you want so much, but it's like, Hey, let me give you this day, your daily bread so that you know, I'm not going to give you this because then you won't call on me. So let me get to give you what you need today. This is enough for today. Tomorrow has enough work, but here's today. And so it's just like, man, like, that's like what I really learned. Like that type of patience, yeah. the, the, the dependency is what you need. Not even just now. I need that now for my three-year-old. Like I said, who's jumping off the couch, driving me crazy. Yes. Like, yes. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. What you? <laughs> yeah. Wait a minute. So Ooh. I think that like, that is like the introduction to that for me. But it yeah. also was like, yo, like I remember also remembering feeling extremely inadequate because I had that C-section and like, I remember going home and she was still there. And that's just an empty feeling of leaving the hospital without your baby, wow. whether your baby has passed away or whether you're leaving your baby in the NICU. It is a hard feeling. Mm-hmm. And you're still watching everybody else with their kids, right? Yeah. And it's a hard feeling to walk away. You still feel like a failure in some way. Like, man, I gave birth to a baby who has a million tubes coming out of her body because my body wouldn't do what it needed to do and blah, 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 blah. And then I'm stressed. So I'm not producing enough milk. And it's just like, you know, it's, it was so much and it was stressful. And so I go home 
And then I, I get my medication and they say, oh, they wrote the medication on the wrong uh, type of pad. So we can't give you the medication. So I'm just in pain, complete pain whatsoever. And I remember like the next morning, like Matt was getting ready to go see her in the hospital and I was trying to get up, but I literally could not get up. And I just felt like I failed as a mom because I felt like there was nothing in the entire world that could keep me from getting to my child. But in that moment, I couldn't even stand. And I was grateful that he was able to go, but I was pissed because I felt like, what are you going through? <laughs> you know, like, like, but I had to quickly you know, gather myself because I remember my mom just being in the hospital by herself and seeing so many women just up. How do people do this alone? Yeah. Like who, who people who don't have family, like not, not even just people who are, whose spouse is not there or whose boyfriend is not there, but doing it by yourself without family, without anybody, without a support system. Yeah. Like what in the world, you know? And so it's just like, I was grateful even. And here's the thing about moms, right? When I went to the hospital, this is, this is, this is the beauty of motherhood. Like I tell you this, when I went to, when I went to the hospital, my doctor was like, I just had a doctor's appointment. I wasn't supposed to be delivering that day. My doctor was like, Hey, I think you've gone as far as you can go. Wow. I know what it's looking like. I'm just going to have you here. It was, a, it, was a, it was a Wednesday. He's like, it was a Thursday. He said, it was a Thursday. He's like, let's go ahead and just keep you here until Saturday. We'll prep you to give birth on Saturday. I called my mom. I said, mommy, they're saying I'm going to give birth on Saturday. This is going to be the time frame. Yep. This is what's she's like. So you want me to come down? I said, no, it's, you know, you know, they live like two hours away. It's like, no, it's fine. I'm, we'll just come, you know, Friday night or Saturday morning. Called Matt. Hey, Matt, like they're going to prep me for Saturday. They don't want me to go home. Okay, cool, for sure. You want me to come? Nah, you good. Just finish finish your workout, finish working, blah, 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 blah. As soon as, so I told my mom, I was like, mom, like, don't worry about coming. It's cool. My mom said, I'm coming. I said, okay, you're just going to be sitting here. That's fine. That's fine. Get into the hospital room, and I just start contracting like crazy. I'm getting ready. My, I was hungry. My sister brought me food. I was like, yo, like, you know, I'm about to eat the burrito. They were like, no, 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 no. Don't eat that burrito. Cause I don't think you about to, I think you're about to have this baby today. I'm like, no, like this uh, cool. you're having contractions now. And I'm like, so I'm calling Matt and I'm like, are you going to get here? He's in LA. I'm in Linwood, like wow. traffic right now. And I'm like, you have to get here. Like it's, it's happening. Like you have to get here. He's still not there. When my mom walked through the room, a grown 38 year old. <laughs> exactly. Mommy. <laughs> That's what I did too. Hello, my mother. My mom and your mom's on this chat. I didn't even know she was here. like having your mama when you in the Christmas mommy. Don't get twisted. I, lo- I love my husband, but I wanted my mom. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't even, it's just, listen, I don't even, and that's the, isn't that crazy? Like, no matter yeah. how old you get, no matter how, you're going to always want your mom. Yeah. Like, you're going to always want your mom. And it's just like, I was so glad that she had that intuition to not listen to me. Like something in her spirit said, no, I'm going, I'm coming. And I'm like, okay, run it, okay. In my ignorance wow. <laughs> and up. And my husband made it by the skin of his, they were like, okay, put this on, hurry up. We're, we're willing her out by the time he got there. So I didn't even think he was going to make it, but I was just like, man. And then when I came out, I was like, can you, can you get my mom? Matt <laughs> <laughs> was in there like, you good? Like, everything's good. Okay. Can, um, can you go get my mom? <laughs> Mommies, mommies are important. Oh my God. Yes. Yes. When you get my mom though, bro. That's, that's what I'm right. Saying. That's right. That's get my right. Man. So Amaris is now three. Yeah. You, I know, was it was it the tour before we went into um quarantine that you as a family went on tour? So we've been on tour as a family for two years. Oh wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
And what does that tell us what that even looks like? Yeah, so I kind of realized, number one, I realized that when I would step away for tour, my relationship with my husband just wasn't, we just were, we just were off, you know, like, it's difficult to maintain that. And for me as a person, I'm a, he's a very black and white person. So he can, you know, this is the schedule. I'm up every day at, at 5.30. I'm going to pray at 5.30 to 6.30. I don't know why I'm pushing my voice. I'm going to pray at 5.30. I'm, I'm trying to talk about like discipline. Like he's very, that's very much him. Me, I am the artist of artists. What time am I going to wake up today? When my eyes open. What time, what's your plans for today? I don't know yet. We'll see what that, what does the day give me? You know, <laughs> I am, I am, and that, you know, for someone who's on the road, and you're taking the day as the day comes. I'm not sectioning out like, okay, at 7.30, I need to stop everything and talk to my husband. I'm on tour with my friends. Like, I'm, I'm over here like, we at, um, you know what's open on tour late at night. We're at Fridays. We're at, right. we're at all the trash food places. Like, right. And then I call like at the end of the day when I'm exhausted. Oh, yeah, I just was calling to let you know. I'm just about to go to sleep. But, and you've been, all, you've been waiting all day to talk to me. So that was one component I really didn't think. It didn't work well for us. And then when we had our daughter, I just felt like, nobody's going to do it like me. You know, I think, especially her being a, a NICU baby, I think there are certain things that I noticed about her. Cause even when I brought, when we brought her home, there were times where she, people were like, Oh, you just, you just need to let her cry. Don't pick her up, whatever. But, my, but she wasn't, she didn't know what to do. And so her face would turn blue because she's not, she doesn't know how to make things work, how to cry and breathe. And so it's like, there are certain ways in which I know that I'm going to notice something before anybody else is going to notice something. And it, it, it continued. And I just didn't feel, I felt like, I never wanted her to, I never want her to feel like she is not the priority of my, I don't want my family to feel like they're not the priority because it's a blessing that I'm able to do something that I'm passionate about and that husband is on board with and everything else like that. I never want her to feel like, let me, I got to work. I got to, I got, no, I got to do this. And I'm, if I'm blessed to do it, yeah, it's harder. It's, it's a lot harder. It's, there's so many things that go on that makes it, it's, touring is exhausting. Yeah. Touring, touring with a, one and a half year old toying with a two year old the first year was even worse because i'm washing bottles in hotel rooms i'm like it it was it was exhausting it's past exhausting but i wouldn't change it because and that became a non-negotiable for me which which also i got pushback on hmm. and for me here's my thing was my thing was this as christians i feel like you should be the first to do whatever you can to keep a family together yeah. I'm not, we're not saying pay my husband or do that. If there is a way for us to do this collectively, then that's what it has to be. And I had to get to a point where I say, Hey, if it doesn't work out, I guess it's just not for me this time to go. I have to believe God that much because yeah. for me, it's just like, again, like it's not that I can't let me leave her with, let me, that's not it. It's just like, I, I'm her mom. And if I can do it, I'm going to do it. There are plenty of moms who don't even have that as an option. Like they gotta go to work like, and they can't bring yeah. their child. Like that's that's a real reality. There are ways yeah. in which she learns, the ways that she absorbs knowledge that I know, I know that she, the type of learner she is. Other people may not know that. Like my daughter is very like, the way that she picks up on things, it's like she has very associative brain. So it's like, okay, like let's learn in this situation. Let's learn in that situation. Like she had more passports than I ever had at two years old. <laughs> right. <laughs> so. But I think that it's, it's made her extremely inquisitive. I think that like, and you know what it means to travel with a baby. I think it, it, it and her adjustment to things is her bounce yeah. back is so crazy. And, and the way she adapts to environments is so amazing to me. Mm. So I think like for me, I was just like, if we can do it, then that's what I'm going to do. So when I tell people, hey, like it is my family or, or just not me. 
And that, and I have, it's okay if it's just not me. If it's somebody else that needs to be, and this is not part of it, that's fine. But I am a package deal. I love and, it. and it's hard sometimes because you're going to get no's. You're going to get, okay, well then I guess this isn't for you because that's not in the budget. Okay, wow. well, it's not in the budget then. Um, yeah. But for me, it's like, nah, like, and, and even for, there are setbacks. Like Amara started being potty trained before we went on tour the second time. She was doing really well. I bought a I bought a potty to bring along with us on the road. Now they convert the whole back of the bus for just, you know, you have the bunks on the side, but they convert right. the back space for just like a bedroom, kind of like for us. Now, mind you, it's still very cramped. Like we're all yes, it is. My husband's very like my husband's like six four. I'm yes. like five seven. She's in the middle. We're laying. There's only we can only lay on our sides, you know. <laughs> and like because of how everything was, you know, for potty training, you need consistency. Like it just got way too hard for her. So now when we got back home, I had to start all over again and re-potty training and re, but I mean, it wasn't, um, it's not, it was, I don't count it as a bad thing. I just count it as an adjustment. But I think that like, I always need for her to know that she is a priority and I was, I will stop. So if I'm doing a sound check and I see that she's crying, then hold on because that's my priority or she's gonna, I'm gonna hold her while I do the sound check. Yeah. And it's hard. I, it's really hard. But I think that like it's so such a beautiful opportunity to be able to have her and have my husband with me. And so it's like even when I think about my issues that I had with like submission in the beginning and stuff like that, it's like, yeah, but now look at the situation. Like my husband has said, hey, like I believe God is really using you in this way. At this, I don't know what's going to look like going forward in the future. But at this time, I think this is the best decision for our family. So mind you, yes, like in the morning I have her and stuff like that. He can go to the gym, whatever the case may be. But for, once the nap time starts at one o'clock, wherever we are in in the, in the United States or the world, from up until after the show is completely over, he has her the whole entire time. I'm going to talk to people after the show. So it's, I'm probably going to get on the bus past midnight. And after past midnight, I still got to get off the bus and take a shower. And so th there's just so many components and elements of where he serves the family. And it's just like, you know, like, I think we just have to be like, you would not be afraid to make decisions for your family and, and as a mom and to stand up for it and be like, yo, like this is extremely significant to me. And I, I need you to understand that no amount of money, no amount of this, no amount of that is going to alter that. Like this dynamic is extremely significant to me. It is my priority. Wow. That's beautiful. I remember seeing the pictures that you posted when you guys were on, on tour, different videos. I was like, that's beautiful. Yeah. I know it can't be easy, but it's people were really inspired by that. Cause for me, yeah. like this ritual where after we do the after we do the Q and A, they always walk up and she walks up and she's dancing and she and we all walk off together off the stage as a family. And they I, usually when people see me come to the front of the stage, they don't know what I'm doing. They, they I'm waiting for them to come back and for us to join each other and walk together before the show starts. And he's he prays with me before every show, so she's putting her hand on me to pray. And I think that like. It's inspiring. It's an inspiring dy dynamic, especially for our culture and for who we are. I think we have to be very proud about the family dynamic. Yes, it's a beautiful picture. It is. So you maybe that goes into the question. What do you feel is your purpose and how do how does family, your career and purpose, how do those things line up for you? What is your purpose in general? Do you think? Yeah, I think. It's so funny because it's going to sound super, I think it's going to sound super generic, but I think that for me, I would describe my purpose as the great commission, honestly, like preach the gospel, make disciples, you know, go out and baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. But, but how God chooses to use me to do that specifically is, is completely on him hmm. and, and my submission to him. So when you say your purpose, some people feel like my purpose is to be a singer. My, I don't feel like any, my purpose to me is to stay moldable. 
And I feel like it's hard because you you want to attach yourself. You end up sometimes you can attach. That's one thing that this quarantine has showed me. Like sadly, like I I've wrapped a lot of my identity up in I want to be represented in this specific type of way. Mm. So if I can't have it in this type of way, then I don't want it at all. Wow. And it's like, no, that's that's not that's not being moldable. That's not you know saying staying moldable in the hand of the Lord. That's not being good clay. And mm. so for me, like it's the purpose is to stay moldable. So yeah, like to, today I'm on tour, and for these three months I'll be on tour. Yeah. But then after tour, what? I, I'm I'm trying to come home and serve the heck out of my family because of their. We have to understand, like it is a great sacrifice. Yeah. Like, it it isn't. It's not that my husband doesn't have goals. My husband has two degrees. He has an he has an elementary education degree, and he has a, his MDiv from the Master Seminary. So it's not that he's not educated and doesn't have goals and dreams and aspirations. He's just putting those to the side for you know, saying at this specific time. So it's my job to not be like, well. Let me just do this again. So people ask, oh, "Where are you going to be on tour?" I don't know because I, I want to make sure that I don't take, 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 take. Like, okay, how do we invest in what you want to do? How do we invest in your dream? What is that going to look like for our family dynamic? For I, she needs to see both of us, you know, serving in that capacity. So I think like the major goal is to like, how do we? How does God get glory today? Not like, yeah, I'm a poet, but tomorrow I'm a musician, and today I'm a mom, and and today I'm a, all of those things are just are significant. Yeah. But also I think that the scary part is not seeing like the crazy opportunity and I'm at the coffee shop today and I and I feel like I need to have a conversation with this person on the basic level of just like, hey, how are you doing? Nice to see you here. Blah blah blah. What are you into? Blah 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 blah. You know you're gonna see people consistently at certain places. Like, am I being intentional with preaching the gospel, making disciples, even in that situation, as opposed to like yeah. being on this specific situation and let me share it. Christ on this stage and let this be the distance. And you ask me questions about what I think about scripture. And you ask me questions about how to handle it. What deems me to be in a position? like? It, 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 but so people view you in a light because we our culture naturally uplifts, like are naturally fanatical. It is my job to bring that down and to yeah. actually say like, no, we are on an equal playing field here. And we both have a responsibility to have our face in scripture and learn. We both have a responsibility. My purpose is no different from what your purpose is. It just yeah. looks like this today. So it's not going to look like this two months from now. Like I'm, I'm going to be at home and I'm not going to be this. I'm not going to have no lashes on and I'm not going to have, like, I'm going to be over here today. So right. I think, like the key part is to, to express value and significance in every single aspect of those roles. Like yeah. okay, that's, this is what it looks like. It doesn't feel good today, but would I be as, it's like when I'm thinking about like my grandmother her last time here or, or even just serving like our parents as they get older do you view that as significant? If you have to start changing a bedpan for a parent, is that really impo- as important as I'm doing this on tour? Like, wow. do, do my fam- does my family, what will my family say of me? Wow. Like, do they feel that I serve them that way? Or do they just feel like, oh, that's, that's I almost used my family name that they call me. That's her and that's what she does over there, but she don't really care about us. Wow. So I think that like, that's the, that's the reality for me. My purpose is to know him and make him known and to rep him well like that's our family like that's our family like slogan like i will hear matt scream that from the back before i start any piece rep him well well. i'm like okay now i can start because it is a quick reminder to say hey like you're not this is not for you right now yeah this is not for this is not your representation this is not be so dope this is not kill the game so people can walk away and be like this is operating excellence because of who you represent as the excellent one. Mm. So 
while we're on the subject of family, mm -hmm. what are you, how are you all taking this, this place that we are? Not only the pandemic, but how is your family dealing with all the, I don't know if you've been in a bunch of talks, but all the racial unrest and all the things that are happening. How does, how does family, the yeah. gospel, how does all that tie in for you? Um, yeah, with what, what we're dealing with right now. Yeah, I think it's an interesting, I think it's interesting, number one, to have grown up in, like, been born and raised in L.A. and then come to the South yeah. and here. It's a very, very different dynamic. Like, people laugh, but I, I say, like, you know, people say, how has it been for you? It's a very, cult it's a huge culture shock. I've never been around this many Black people before in my life. People are laughing, but it's, it's very true. Yes. Atlanta is not Black. It's it's a different Black. It's, it's, it's Black, Black. Like, you know, like, it's HBCU. It's, it's like, it's every, like, Black on black on black. And and you know where we come from. Like, it, that's not what it is. Nope. Like, I can't, Nowhere. I'm not even being funny, but I'm trying to find the Hispanics. Like, I can't find them. Like, I'm. if anybody knows where they are here, let me know, because I'm trying to go salsa dance and eat some food. But <laughs> I, it's, it's, it's so different. And I think also, too, like, we are a little bit further removed in L.A. sometimes from what actually still, like, I, I experienced, I was like, oh, she's really feeling entitled to this parking space. I feel like I might have to get out the car today, you know? Yeah. So you, I think that it's different. Uh, but I will say our response, um, even as a family, it, it, I think we might have an interesting approach, I think. And and it's not to downplay everything that's happening and everything that's going on. Uh, my my goal, I think, is to 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 be honest about where we are, to, mm -hmm. to acknowledge where we are, where we've been. This is not, this is not a, <laughs> it's not a new thing. It's a new thing. It's a new thing for some people. Yeah. Um, it's a reality for some people, but to my, to my husband who has been, um, you know, as a, uh, pulled over as a college athlete and to the point that, you know, having done drawn him and being in tears and that if they did not see his, Alabama, he was played for Alabama. So if they did not see his Alabama tags hanging wow. in his, his ID, they wouldn't have let him go. And wow. so the frustration of just like, as a man being pushed to tears, like those are, and he, I mean, he's from Jacksonville, Florida. So there's, there's so many different things that he's already experienced and knows what that's like and knows it. And then, you know, there's just different things he says. He'd be like, you know, watch your speed limit. And I was like, man, I, I can't, I can't just go 65. He's like, well, you got that privilege. You, you ain't a black man or you ain't, you ain't dark skin. You got that privilege. And then wow. it's like, you, you always say those things, but there's meaning behind that. Yeah. Like I, I had my first experience out here, like even with my changing my hair like this, I got pulled over. And I was like, hey, so was the reason that you pulled me over? Oh, I didn't really pull you over for a reason, but I'm just checking. You told me that. Like, you literally told me that. Wow. You told me, and then you asked me, do I have my insurance? I give you my insurance. You say, like, oh, it's not coming up. And you give me a ticket. Only for me to have to go to the court to say, here's my insurance. I've had the whole time. Oh, okay. We're going to dismiss it. But you wasted my time, my effort, my, right. money, my energy. Wow. And there's no apology for that, right? Just It's just dismissed. So it's like, it's a different, extremely different experience. Yeah. My thing is I just want to make sure that we I, I am not in a position where I'm saying oh things are just going to get better because I'm I read revelation like I don't I think we're going to either learn to get more dependent on God I don't think things are just going to like ever return to normal I don't think that but I do want to make sure that in the reality of saying like this is injustice this is not right this is not this I want to make sure that we're balancing that with a hope mm -hmm. um, because I think sometimes we can get I, I remember my militant stage I remember having my walls plastered with Huey and Angela Davis and all those type of things. Yeah. I, I support so much of what has been done. There was one time though, when I had this huge, and I, and this was like when I started developing a hatred for white people, like at the, at the time. 
And I had this huge um, poster of like on my wall and it said the Black Panther Party for Self-Defense. And I was just laying there. I was just staring at it, just like making myself stir for no, no pay reason. I think higher learning had came out at the time. Oh. I up. And um, God spoke to me and was just like, do you really want to be the, your own defender? Do you really want to be in a space where you are defending yourself or am I your defender? Mm. It's just like, why do you keep doing this, Lord? Like you saying, like, and I think that like nothing to downplay with them. I think that where I got was a place of bad idolatry. You know, mm. for me, I went to, got to a place of bad idolatry and trying to find myself, you know? And I think like right now, like there's a lot of zeal, you know, a lot of people in these streets, but I, I, my hope is that like after the protests are over, what are, outside of protesting, what are we, are we going to do the hard work? Because right. protesting is hard work, but what are we doing from a, from a community standpoint? How, how do I get involved? So for us, like our goal, like my part of us moving here was he wants to open an all boys uh, uh, private school, specifically teaching life skills as well, because wow. like we feel like if we get into the young minds, I think that's like, that will affect change that we, we probably won't even be here to completely really see, but know that we really invested. And so that's a big deal, like for us, like what are, know your role and don't like condemn somebody for not, you ain't protest, you ain't this, you ain't. Right. Just right. kind of like, let let me do what I believe that I'm supposed to be doing because everybody can't be there. I, I'm not in a position to do that. I have a daughter and I, I'm not in a position where I can avail myself. And I'm also, I don't even belong to myself anymore. So I can't avail myself in specific ways no more. Like I just can't. And is that the wisest decision? Again, mom conversations. It, will this be a good decision as a mom for my family? What is yeah. my responsibility in this? I can't necessarily serve in that way. I can't subject myself in that way, but I can make sure that I vote and I can make sure that I this and I can make sure that I that. Yeah. So I think that that's for me, that's kind of where we are. Like to present that there is more, that there is a hope and that there's, there's so much work to be done. Yeah. We, will, we will be diligent about the work that has to be done that goes beyond the anger Yeah. and the frustration, which is very warranted, let me just say. But I think that like, one thing I did love about the Black Panther Party was the aspect of being able to organize, you know, like they were feeding, they were doing breakfasts. They were doing yeah. all matter. All those components matter. Being a beacon in your community yeah. really matters. So it goes beyond that. It, it, and it doesn't necessarily, it could be that you go to the protest just to hand out waters. That, you're a beacon. Yeah. So those are the things I like to think about. That's great. That's great. This has been awesome. I don't want to keep you all day. Listen, but uh, what is it? talking? They just get to hear it. We, this is what we do. Yes, we do. This is my homie, y'all. I love me some netics. This is my netty, as Lena said. Say hi, netty. <laughs> uh, listen, I'll be listening for your voice, man. It'd it be super encouraging. Like I was like, listen, if you if you want that friend that's gonna scream for you when you feel like you' about to jack up, please make sure Re is in the building. <laughs> you gonna gas you when you don't even deserve to be gassed. Like, <laughs> listen. That's right. I cheer for my friends. This is important. <laughs> that distinct yell and F sharp, a little diminished. Come on, let's go. <laughs> That's important. That's important. Since we're talking about motherhood yeah. and balancing all these different things, what does self care look like for you? I know that's like the 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 key word these days, but truly, I mean, it really is a for real need. Not that we always get the ability to do it but what does self-care look like for you i mean even before the pandemic but even during now being a wife a mom a poet a minute i mean all these things how what does self-care look like for you and living in a new state now what <laughs> what is that yeah, like? um so 
self-care is weird right now because like it's 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 like a for me like when every day like matt takes a nap with amara so they sleep from like maybe like one around one to four she still and, takes naps that's nice yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely for three hours wow one to four um usually i if I'm if I'm not if I don't have the responsibility like of getting things done, there are times where I get to like just go to my favorite coffee shop and just chill. Man. Just, I just recalibrate like just for a minute because you you really you need that when you all day with the baby. You just need a yes. moment. You need conversations with friends. You need those type of things. And then also too, um, at she goes up bed at eight thirty. He takes her up at eight thirty, and I kind of just have like an hour and a half to two hours to kind of just like. You know, it's it's funny because I have people who ride in the car with me, and they're like, "Why you don't listen to so much music no more?" It's just like, listen, silence is a song. Me silence is a song. Me even. <laughs> I just need a minute. Even I think when when they go upstairs, I don't even be looking at. I don't even watch TV. I just be sitting here like. <laughs> yeah. Nobody's gonna call my name. Yeah. Nobody wants applesauce. Nobody wants goldfish. Right. You know, it's like, so that's that's a bit of self-care that I get, like, more consistently. But for me, like, Matt knows, like, I, there are times where I just need to, and it may have to do with getting married later, I need to be by myself. Like, I need to just, even if it's for a day, it's for a night. So sometimes, like, I find, like, different tiny houses out here, like, excuse me, sir, <laughs> kind of needs to go. <laughs> like, just for a night, for an evening. And I'll just kind of get in my own space, be by myself, and just like, oh, spread your arms wide, legs wide, you know. Wow. Sleep with nothing. You rent with nothing a tiny house? Down, you know? house? Say again. You rent a tiny house? Yeah, like they're like really like like for the evening, like they're really affordable out here. So you can rent a tiny house for the evening, um, and it like last. It's like man, that's what I'm saying. It's like you get to just. It's beautiful. I was like, I'm laying in the bed. I'm free, ain't got nothing on. Nobody has any expectation that I have nothing on. Like, it's just, it's, wow. it's just, I think for me, I need to be able to be just away and in my own mind and own space and to just to turn off. Like, yeah. whether that's just like, I'm just staring at nothing or I'm just going to binge watch something or for, that's, that's a big deal for me or being able to just kind of like, I'm going to go grab something to eat for me. I'm going to eat by myself with me. I'm going to just, I need that. Like I need yeah. to, and for me, it's important for me. Like I need to get away from the element. So they have these um these getaway houses as well where you actually go into the woods and there's like there's no phone service but they have like a regular telephone if you need it and it's just like it's just this cute little itty bitty cabin like just by yourself for a little while. So what? I just need. I've them. never heard of these things, man. That sounds awesome. <laughs> no, they got some out there where you are. I'm gonna send you the link. Please do. I don't know yeah. when I can do it, but <laughs> that would be awesome. So my husband's like, you just seem so happy. Like, you just seem so happy to be by yourself. <laughs> it's like, I love y'all. I just need a minute. That's right. I need a minute. I need a minute. How do you, this kind of goes with the same kind of question. Like, I mean, I don't know. We didn't get to sort of dive into what has been the process of finding you, but how do you authentically maintain this sense of self or this strong, you really are this amazing powerhouse uh voice how do you maintain those things and maybe that goes with the same bit of self-care but how do you do yeah those? i think uh here's the thing it's probably gonna be an interesting answer um look, i've i make sure i subject myself to people that i know really really love me to kind of like make sure that they're consistently telling me about myself oh good uh, so my sis 
told me one time, she's like, hey, like, I get that you may feel this as a pressure and I'm sure you don't mean anything by it, but sometimes when you come in a room, you suck up all the energy. Like you suck up all, like, she's like, for a person like me who doesn't talk much, it doesn't mean that I don't want to talk. I'm just waiting for an opportunity where I can say something where I feel like it's, it's a safe space for me to say something. So she's wow. like, I'm not telling you to dumb yourself down, but I'm just asking you to be more mindful of everybody in the room because I think sometimes you feel this pressure to be like, oh, nobody's talking. So let's just, oh, let me, uh, you know, okay, oh, what's up with you? Uh, and then, oh, yeah, let me tell you about this time, you know, and she's like, that's cool. But at the same time, like, you just got to make sure you scale it back and make sure everybody's included in the conversation. She's like, also, sometimes you can kind of like this way and then everybody like who's involved, like you, I think so when I, when you say like how to be strong in a room, I think it's also knowing when to be reserved in a room and to be able to put people forward and, and make sure that everybody else's voice is heard so that everybody else feels significant. And that's some, it hurt my feelings. Cause it's like, that's not my intention, but I needed to hear that because like, I'm really trying to be welcoming like that. That's I'm not trying to be mean. I'm trying to be like welcoming. I'm trying to be like, yo, like I want to make you laugh. I want to make you, but it's like, no, like there are other personalities in the room and somebody may have something to say, but they may not just be as loud as you, you know, mm-hmm. but, but their point is louder than maybe something that you have to say. Mm-hmm. And so for me, it's really important to like, to, to scale it back and to make sure that I'm listening. Like, I think that's a really big deal and making sure that you're heard. I think really respect when they know that you are listening to them because everybody wants to be heard. So especially for someone who does what I do, people kind of have this expectation to be like, oh, that's genetics. Like she's going to blah, 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 blah. And it's just like, people are surprised when you want to have intimate conversation with them. People are surprised when you're asking questions about their, like, you don't have to tell everything. Oh yeah. It's like, I just got back from blah, 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 blah. You may not be trying to brag, but it's just like, are you trying to figure out anything about, I'm interviewed all the time. I ain't got to talk about myself like let me find out and and think about like making sure there's inclusion as opposed to just like how can I be heard how can I be you know from what I understand there's this there's always there's a presence when I walk in it's like okay this girl has this hair she's dressed like this she's this like like you know I'm saying like sometimes we feeling like Tone walking in the room. I'm like, why am I I looking like, you don't go up a beach like, I shouldn't even say that. I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm not trying, this is me, but at the same time, I don't have to being, being me can be making sure I'm amongst everybody and, and bringing down those, I'm saying those walls and making sure that like, man, like are finding that person who's by themselves in the corner in the room. So I think that's really for me, like that's my answer to that. That's good. That's good. Tony Price said I had to learn that too. <laughs> yeah, I think it's our personality. So it's like, I think we genuinely want people to feel included. And I think sometimes by trying to make people feel included, it's just like, it gives you this, it, you feel like you put this pressure on yourself. Like I put a pressure on myself to entertain, even just. Yeah, yeah. I get it. I get it. What is the greatest lesson that you are learning in this season? It can be the season that we're in, in the pandemic, or it can be this like you being this age that you are or whatever, however you want to ask that question. What is the greatest lesson you're learning right now? Uh, I think just right now is that I, 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 any aspect of control that I thought I had, I do not. Mm. I do not. Have, I am not in control. <laughs> like I am not in control yeah. at all. I mean, even the live album release show was ganked in this whole pandemic situation. I, I think that. we lost about maybe anywhere from like 13 to 15 K of just investing in for this show. And so it's like, that's gone. And so now my husband with the two degrees is like, I got to figure out a way to get us up out of here in this old 
because even with the flights that were purchased, it's like, yeah, we can you can have them for a later date, but that don't do nothing for me right now. Even with yeah. the merch that was purchased, yeah, it's cool. We can do it at a later time, but it ain't being sold right now. So it's like, wow. there's so much, even with the venues, like, okay, you've made a deposit that you still are probably going to use one day, but you just can't use it now. It's oh. like all these different things. Oh, and those deposits that you paid to all those band members, you ain't really getting those back. So, and you're going to have to do it again. So wow. like, I got to go work at a warehouse right now to make sure that we are staying afloat. Like, and it's just like, it's hard. It's it's wow. it's just like you're gonna go work ten hours at a warehouse in in the middle of the night to make sure that we what like stay afloat. And as an artist, it's like it's hard because you like in my mind, like okay, so this equals this, and then, oh yeah, so then after that, and then we're gonna look for a house after that, and da da da. And it's just like I was like, nah, son. This <laughs> is like again learning to be dependent, learning to eat the daily bread, yeah. understanding that like if you ever thought you was in control a little bit. You wow. so I think that's the part and I'm still wrestling with that because it's hard because I'm I, I'm living in that every day and that's something as simple as I'm going to go sit down and eat somewhere you're not in control you got to make something because it's not open it's, it's a little thing it's, it's every little thing that's letting you know you're not in control man so. if this pandemic hasn't been the great equalizer of we're all you don't matter what you were doing before the thing like it's like everybody's like i'm really not in control no <laughs> no nobody was getting a pedicure homie nobody Dang. yeah it's been crazy it's been crazy well my friend i'm coming into the last two questions is there any questions oh my my mom asked a while ago she mm -hmm. said uh what was it what is your oh why what do you foresee for the future of open mic I mean, especially with technology, we're on this new mm -hmm. platform. What what do you already see is happening or what do you see might be where even your tour ends up after the pandemic? What? Yeah, I definitely don't think there's going to be a tour this year. I don't think people are really even like the venues or spaces aren't even being made available. And I think people yeah. aren't even comfortable with that type of meeting at this point. I One thing I can say is like my heart is a very communal and I think that it's as like the age that I'm in right now I feel like it's my responsibility to find those voices and find those and to help them channel that because like again it's a whole bunch of zeal but it's like also like hey let's make the same way I had experience in Lamert Park somebody needs to say like let's help you hone that um and so for wow. me I think open mics do that I think they help you hone I think they help you form relationships if it, it, there's a genuineness so you know people are there for you so when they say hey you could you could have did better then you don't take it to heart. You don't think that you know, nobody's hating on your Instagram. It's just like, man, like you really could have did better. You could have done more. And so for me, like I think a person like me is seeking to kind of do something similar where it's just like we are kind of getting in that space where we can offer that um, and offer even thinking through like what does an academy look like? What does all those things look like? And so I would like to foster more of that. I don't necessarily know because I would like to encourage more people to do it. I don't necessarily know. Again, like you said, because like technology wise we don't necessarily know what it's like until we're going to be in close quarters again but i would i would really hope that we don't let that die out um yeah. because i think that's really it's really needed so yeah yeah man you can follow genetics on mm -hmm. i am genetics yes mm -hmm. yep everything yep oh she's i am genetics on facebook and instagram and it's g-e-n-e-t-i-c-s and let me tell y'all, if you haven't heard uh, Genetics' poems or poetry or even her songs, she brings and is really just not afraid to address topics head on. And I mean, even I have not 
been able to discuss miscarriages and um, having a child come so early, um, dealing with your child in the NICU. We haven't had that conversation mm -hmm. on our conversation yet. So I, mm -hmm. that's what I love about this platform is that really talking about motherhood and purpose and how those two things come together, like yeah. it balloons into amazing topics that people just aren't ever asked for one, mm -hmm. but then that people just don't hear other people talk about and are left feeling like I'm the only one. I'm the only one who ever adopted a child or I'm the only one who's ever thought about it or yeah. I'm the only one who's ever had a miscarriage. So I love that. Um, that's why I wanted to create and I feel like it's a, a God ordained idea. Um, even me as a, a single mom, like there's not a lot of places where that is talked about and, and how we bat, how we balance being an artist in this world. So, um, so really, I so appreciate you being just who you are, this honest person who just is open. Cause I feel like I heard once what I think Brene Brown talks about shame and guilt and how it's when we talk about it and open yeah. and kind of make that space available that the healing takes place but other people hearing it like oh my god like even in feeling like that that's not only my story i'm sitting in this shame or like this guilt or this fear yeah hearing somebody else talk about it like really brings that space to even bring healing or whatnot so and i think that's that's so key because it's like even with the aspect of miscarriage like i was angry at the time but now i'm so grateful because it automatically puts me in a space of being able to sincerely relate. It's different saying like, man, I'm sorry you went through that. But it's right. different when you say, I went through that and I got you and I'm with you. I'm in the trenches with you. I'm not telling you you can do it. I'm here on the side of you saying, I've done this and I'm going to help push you up above me so I can let you know that it's possible. That's a totally different conversation, which is why I'm, I, that's why I did the poem called Red about miscarriage to inform people like, hey, this is a real thing. And also on top of that, like, Let's just be mindful, like completely mindful that this is a real reality for many, many, many yes. women. Yes, yes. Oh, men, I don't. Let's not exclude men because they do. They are. They're with you in it. So it's yeah. Yeah, yeah very much so. So, but I brought that up because if you haven't had a chance to go and listen to any of Genetics's poetry, uh, not only are they really just places where she just is an open vessel really an open vessel but it really has a plant a, a, a opportunity like she's done here really to minister to those places that you know are just are not talked about so find her on youtube um and especially as i saw i didn't even know i will wait for you has 4.3 million views uh that's one of her poems <laughs> one of her poems but she's got so many others but she just uh, and maybe that's just her purpose and what how God has wired her. She's just not afraid to talk about those subjects that really we, especially in the world of Christianity, that we're just like, oh my God, you don't talk about that. No, we yeah. don't talk about that. Let's put that back in the closet. No, these things need to come out because there are people who are hurting and yeah. are really stewing in these things and they need to be freed. So yeah, thank you for being you. Thank God for building and molding and so crafting you to be you um yes so <laughs> my final two questions are uh, and this could just be a phrase or whatever comes off the top of your head if you okay. met amaris later in life say she's 40 if you met her uh later in life what would you want her to know about you and your journey right now i think i would just i would really hope that she'd be able to like notice just 
sincerity, integrity, and that like that I didn't get it a hundred percent right, and it's okay to not get it a hundred percent right, but that I didn't tap out. And I think that's the biggest thing that I, I just don't want her to ever feel like I tapped out. Um, but I also want her to know that from a health perspective, that it's okay to take a break. So I didn't tap out. I'm not walking away from the game, but I think you need to allow yourself the freedom to say, I need, a, like I said earlier, I need a minute. A minute. Yeah. yeah. Um, because I think going, going, going uh, can allow you to crash and burn. And I think I learned that the hard way. It's like, I, I, I face plan it because I'm just like, no, I got this. No, I, I want her to know like, hey, like she gave everything she had. She busted her face open a few times. She said she needed many a few times, but she ain't tapped out. Yeah. And the final question I ask everybody, because I love Michelle Obama, loved her book Becoming and her documentary on Netflix Becoming. Mm -hmm. They ended that with uh, the final question they asked everybody, who are you becoming? So I will ask that to you, Jeanette, genetics, who are you becoming? Ooh, you know, it's, that's a really hard question to answer because I feel like I've, I've learned so much that I don't like in this, in this aspect of the pandemic. So much has come to the surface that has just been like, dang, that's really me. Like, that's, that's, no, that, that is who you are at the core. That you can't run from that. You can't hide from that. Like, that is you. So I think currently I'm coming face, I'm becoming someone who is face to face with who I really am, aside from the compliments, aside from the, you know, say accolades, aside from the, you know, making certain people proud or not making certain people proud, aside from the what people perceive, aside from what is posted from a social media standpoint, aside from all of those things, even from a standpoint of just like, I'm not putting on makeup for this. Like, this is this is what my face looks like. And I have to, I got to, this is who you are. Okay. Like, stop getting angry. Like, I'm saying that the crow's feet are coming in. You're getting older. It's okay. Yeah, you'll be all right. right. You'll be all right. You know? <laughs> um, so I think like, I'm, I'm becoming, I believe, who I, who I am intended to be. But I would say right now, in the crux of it, this is a really, really hard space because I can choose to believe what I see about myself or I can lie to myself and be like, that ain't really, I, I'm okay. And I I want to be able to say, hey, I am not okay. I'm not okay. And I'm not okay with where I am. And I'm not okay with what I see. And I'm dissatisfied about these specific things about myself. And I'm thankful because this situation has brought it to the, ta- to the table. So I'm, I'm, I'm becoming honest, you know, I'm becoming, um, like in a place of learning to be content. Um, because I could, I could call, oh, I'm content in all things. No, no, no. This is where you find out if you're content in all things. Hmm. You find out when, when you, when, when your husband says, Hey, this is a grocery budget because of where we are. Like, you can't just be out here just, you know, saying shrimp, 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 crab leg, crab leg, crab legs. <laughs> like, you know, like I'm finding out even the little things, like the small little, mm, like, the things that I'm saying in my mind, the ways that I respond in my mind that people don't hear, I'm that I'm I'm becoming honest, and it's just like I don't necessarily yeah. like what I see. But the beauty of that is now that I don't like what I see, it's so the beauty of that is repentance, because it's just like I think bad theology made me feel like I gotta do something. It's like no, I can't just ask for forgiveness. I gotta like I gotta like make up for what I did. I gotta I gotta I gotta serve. I gotta I gotta do something. But it's like that is defaming the cross. It is just like God, can you forgive me? Hmm. Repentance. It's afforded to me, <laughs> you know like, and so I think that's another thing that I'm realizing. It's just like I ain't, I ain't gotta. I just need to acknowledge it and change, acknowledge it and mess up and change. Like, so that is who I'm becoming. That's who she's becoming, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> well, 
I love you. I thank you for being so you on my my conversations and just being bringing your full self and your full story here and sharing it with my audience. Um, And I just wish you the best. Wish you lots of light and love and and just thank you for. I mean, as I always see, I don't even intentionally talk about. Uh, faith in my mom conversations, but that's where it always ends up. <laughs> and I love that you, uh, everything, everything about you is serving uh, Christ and the one who created you. So I you. am just honored to know you, honored to see who you will be and who you will be becoming, who you are becoming and who you already are, already not yet, as I learned in seminary, <laughs> already and already not yet. But, um, but thank you guys for Marcelina and Tony and Nelda. Oh, yeah. um, here we go. Here we go on this motherhood thing and trying to balance a calling and everything that God has created us to be. So. And crazy and we met, we wouldn't think about no, no kids, no, none of that. And no, man, are. didn't have. <laughs> here we are. Here we are. Here we are. Here we are. So. Thank you. We're stronger than we've ever been in our lives. That's right. I believe it. I am stronger standing in these two feet that I've ever I been. I knew I could function on such little sleep. I, <laughs> what? I'm still going? For real? Right. So, right. Who knew that our bodies could take, let alone our souls, our minds, and just getting back to this whole sense of, okay, God. Who wrote I'm Still Here is by the grace of God? I had to be a woman who had children. It had to. Who wrote that song? I'm still here. It's by the grace of God. It had to be a mother. It had to be. It had to be a mother who had like seven seven kids. It's by the grace of God. Oh, I'm still here. Oh, that's came from somebody who's been through. Some, that's that's from a mother. Hey, Let's look it up. I gotta find. Come on. It. Who is that by, Mom? Oh, I'm still here. Wait, who is that? I hear the song. I can't think of the artist. I don't know which by, but I know, I know. <laughs> I be that on a regular. Oh, that's Dorinda Clark. Dorinda. She wrote that? Dorinda. Yes, she did. And I remember that song every time I watch it on her little rose. Yes, yes, her little rose DVD. I remember the first time I saw it. I think, I don't even know if I was 20 yet. But I remember I was like, oh, yeah, I was crying. Because <laughs> then she, she starts going to the audience. It is by the, it's by the grace. It's by the grace of God. Ooh, yeah. She, <laughs> I think she wrote it. And yeah, she wrote it. What? I think she tried to commit suicide. Like she tells the story in the DVD. I can't remember, but I was like, oh, uh, yes. First time I heard that song, I was just like, oh, oh and yes, later said she handed out roses to the crowd. You can't do it. I'm trying to make it. Listen, I've done a really good job of not being emotional in this uh, space. So let's, let's, uh, thank you, Lena. Let's dry our eyes. <laughs> way, too, way too gangster for this. Yes, mm. she handed out roses, man. She handed out roses. I wanted to bring up, um, and I'll end with this, but you brought it up um, earlier. And I think when you started talking about it, I immediately like tears started coming to my eyes when you were talking about motherhood and, uh, oh, you were talking about uh, when they 
took you to the hospital or were you in the hospital about to give birth to Amaris and uh, you cried for your mom. <laughs> that was the first person you cried for. And I just, the first thing that came to my mind was George Floyd Absolutely. and George Floyd and his, oh, you heard him cry for his mom. And yeah. I just think what I mean, that brings to the reality of the responsibility that we have as yeah. mothers, like in life, in death, in the most tragic times of life, our children will think of us. Mm-hmm. I know it. Yes, same thing. When I was in the labor pains, put me money out. I was like, mommy. <laughs> but thankfully, my mommy was right there with me and Lena was in there with me and my doula. But, um, but yeah, it is a real thing. The response of which I think people don't understand. Like there is that, that pressure that I constantly, I think, have to give give to God because there's that pressure like especially when they're babies you're just like this little person this little being is totally dependent on me I don't even know (laughs) I'm trying to figure out what is this like bet you figured out though yeah oh I figured it you figured out every day every day it's like okay this is how it works okay we found out some new way yeah some new way but it is still like yes talking about not feeling like you're in control, feeling like you humbly like submit to the total dependence upon God because motherhood is like the greatest responsibility. It is such a amazing, I mean, it's the greatest gift I've been given, but it is heavy sometimes of like this, this child, no matter how old they will be, will be crying out for me. And I just think, you know, I mean, tragic tragic loss of george floyd but that was his mom his mom was the first thing that he called out to and i just i just humbly pray god help me to be the mom that i need to be for my daughter no matter what she goes through um yeah anyway i can even watch yeah continue to watch after that point i was like i'm done Yeah. yeah just broken and um broken in a broken world and it's just like lord please maranatha (laughs) yes lord help us so well i guess we'll end on that note i don't know any questions before we go anyone in the chat thank you guys so much again for being everybody for being here yes thank you guys for being a part of the conversation and i think our new platform work is pretty cool (laughs) this is pretty easy but um, again, thank you guys for coming on. I'm going to let Miss Jeanette go to her home and whatever. Maybe this is your time to rest. And That's chill. my time to get the husband something to eat. He probably oh. like, what's happening? <laughs> what's going on? Well, I will let you go to husband. Tell him hello for me. Of course. We'll be chatting. I love okay. you, friend. Love you back, friend. Love you so much. Okay. We'll right. see you guys later. Bye. Bye. Thanks again, everybody, for listening to Momversations. Since you like the show, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review it. It will help others like yourself to find the show. And to hear more from me, follow me on Instagram at mom underscore versations with two S's. Also, don't forget to sign up for my newsletter at arethascruggs.com. When you sign up, you will stay caught up on what I'm up to, hear personal lessons learned, and hear my vocal tip of the week again. That's arethascruggs.com to sign up. Talk to you soon.